Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Monday, April 6th, and you're tuned in to the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, and I'm joined by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. Paul, how's it going out there? Uh, uh, you socially distanced from everybody safely? Every, we're all good right now? Yeah, I'm socially distanced. Socially distanced from our dog, but uh, no, everybody except my dog. But I saw we're, we're, what, we're a tiger in the Bronx Zoo and got the virus, so I'm not sure what's going on here. How terrifying is it that everybody's obsessed with the Tiger King on Netflix now and that the tigers are the ones that are going to do us all in with the uh, being infected? And everybody's got a pet tiger. Oh, well, yes, now you can get coronavirus from your pet tiger. Yeah. Unless you're Mike Tyson, didn't Mike Tyson used to have a pet tiger? Uh, well, if you watched the, the the series on Netflix, uh, it was Shaq. Sha- Shaq was in Joe Exotic's little zoo. Uh, you know, I I, st- I thought for sure at some point he was going to turn around and say, "Hey, can I take one of these home with me?" I, who knows? I, I Shaq Shaq's got to have a baby tiger at some point. It, it, and and Scarface, right? He had the tiger. Yeah. Tony Montana, yes. yeah. Tony Montana's tiger. That's great. Uh, well, hey, uh, speaking of social distancing and isolation, uh, I know uh, uh, you got a chance to uh, to have a, a, a telephone conversation with uh, Terry Francona recently over the weekend. Uh, and, and, you know, just there's really not a lot of, of new news or anything like that coming out. But just to be able to, to talk to Tito must have been, uh, you know, at least something that felt like a little bit of normalcy. Yeah, it was good to touch base with him. Um, he, uh, you know, he, the, the big thing I got across was uh, he was really appreciative of, uh, you know, the job Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff and Mike Seggy did, you know, and kind of just, you know, going to the forefront and shutting down spring training when they did, making sure um, all their players and personnel and coaching staff got to where they had to go safely um, and just, you know, kind of taking charge of the situation. Because if you remember, Joe, before, you know, they, uh, they shut, they came, uh, suspended spring training on March 12th. But then, you know, teams were going to stay in camp. You know, some big leaguers were going to stay in camp. Other teams were, you know, dispersing. And uh, I think the Indians just kind of said, hey, we, we want to make sure everybody is healthy. Let's get these guys home, get them, uh, you know, where they want to be, where they feel the safest, and and then we'll go from there. And I think that 
that worked out well. And, you know, Tito also was talking about, uh, you know, he's, he's the, how they're, you know, keeping, tra- keeping tabs on players. Um, you know, each coach is checking with his position players. Uh, talk to Ty Van Berkeley. he's, you know, he's been in contact with the hitters. Uh, he's, he's basically was saying, you know, Hey, um, you know, we, you got to be careful. So, you know, basically just, you know, if you got a batting cage in the backyard, if you're hitting off a tee, but, you know, just kind of stay away from the indoor batting facilities if, if they're still open because you just don't know about the coronavirus. God, you know, most of those indoor batting facilities have the, the artificial surfaces and the artificial turf. And the, those, unless you're, unless you've, you know, had them sanitized professionally and whatnot, those, those have to be holding in the, the, you know, the bacteria and all that kind of stuff too. It's it a real easy way. Even uh, in the cages with the, the balls in the cages themselves, you know, just picking those up, you can transfer bacteria and, and, and germs and the virus can, can be everywhere. Really one guy who's infected comes in and, and hits around in the cages and, you know, spits on the turf or whatever. And, and that anybody could get it. Yeah. That's uh so, you know, they're, they're really practicing that. He said uh, the guy, you know, got the injured guys, you know, Clevenger and Carrasco are the only guys uh, rehabbing, rehabbing in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. He said they're both doing really well. Uh, Clevenger, he's gotten, uh, you know, an update on Clevenger. Uh, said he's, he's ramping up. He's, he's throwing well. Uh, he, Mercado's wrist, he said he, he should be 100% if and when the season starts. He's had plenty of time. Um, the, the only guy I really didn't ask him specifically about, because uh, I forgot, my fault, was Cla- uh, Emmanuel Class A. He went back to the Dominican. Uh, so we'll see how that works out. But who knows how long this thing lasts, Joe. I mean, Clevenger came back from the same injury, what, about six, seven, eight weeks, right? So right. last year. So I would think he's going to have that, that amount of time to uh, – to heal up, so yeah, I, I wouldn't use Clevenger's uh, healing process from that injury last yeah. year as the that that's more of the outlier than the the norm. I think uh, Class A might go the full twelve weeks there, uh, you know, rehabbing and and probably won't be as as ready or the same type of pitcher that that he was maybe in February uh, until maybe next year. And that's this this seems to be like an injury where. You take that 12 weeks, you come back, and then, you know, maybe next year you're back to being the pitcher you were before you you suffered the injury. Yeah, and I asked uh, Tito if he missed uh, opening day, and he, he said he did, you know, and he said it figures that it would be a great day to, for opening day, 60 degrees in Cleveland. Oh. But he said, the more I thought about it, he goes, you know, there's really with what's going on in the country, there's no way we should be trying to play baseball right now. And, uh, you know, we've got to. He, he said something that really kind of stuck, stuck, uh, stuck with me. He said, uh, right now, we've got to take care of business. And by taking care of business, I mean taking care of, of the country, what, what's facing the country now. And obviously, that's the coronavirus and getting it under control. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it comes across, it really does come across when you talk to Tito or, or you sit in on one of his um, you know, pregame or postgame uh, press conferences about how deeply he really does care about not just, you know, the, the folks here in Cleveland and, and the, the guys on the team. He really does just it, – it does affect him, you know, every game, every night, every day. 
it, it really just does affect him deeply. And, he, you know, just watching how, uh, you know, when a player is hurt or a player succeeds or does something like that, how, you know, he really gets involved and how he's personally just committed to these guys. Uh, it, it's not surprising that, that he would be so effusive in his praise about, you know, putting the players first and their health and safety first and, and the job that Antonetti and the, the front office has done. So, uh, you know, it's, it's good that, you know, there was a, a chance to, to be able to, to reach out and, and interact with him. And, you know, we hope that, that everything continues to go well uh, for Tito and that he's around here. Uh, it, that, that's another thing. If, if they if, you know, talk about the players and their service time and whatnot, and they, they get their full year, uh, you know, with this, this agreement with the labor uh, uh, agreement with the, the league. But, uh, you know, Tito's on a contract here too. We, we, we lose a, a year of, Lindor, we use a, lose a, a year of Tito as well if if, uh, if they don't play in 2020. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I think, uh, but I think Tito's got a job here as long as he wants it. I think <laughs> he, I don't think uh, you know. I think he will determine, you know, just how long he may, wants to manage and manage in Cleveland. I yeah, that's just my opinion. And you know, I know the great relationship they have uh, between Antonetti and Chernoff and him, the front office. Uh, and all he's done is win, so <laughs> it's hard yeah. to you know he's, it's hard to argue with the, the results. He certainly earned that right to 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 say you know when when he goes and when he stays. All right, uh, we talked about or we briefly mentioned there uh, you know the the possibility of uh, you know what a return might look like. Obviously, baseball is secondary with all this, but um, you know just in looking to. Uh, looking to the, uh, the Korean baseball league right now, South Korea, one of the, the countries that was sort of at the forefront of flattening out this curve and, uh, you know, reacting, uh, proactively to the coronavirus, uh, South Korea's, uh, 10 team league, the, the, the KBO is getting ready to ramp back up and open their season at the end of April. Uh, which is kind of interesting. Uh, does, does that should that give us some sort of hope for for some sort of baseball season this year? Uh, that that Korea was was able to get through this and get things in order, and now they're looking at the potential of being the first you know you know major sports league back playing at the end of this uh, coronavirus. Yeah, I guess uh, you know you know like you said, Joe, they were on top of this thing from the beginning. Um, and uh, it seemed like, like you said, they flattened the curve. Uh, so, you know, obviously they can, uh, you know, I think it, it offers some encouragement, not only, you know, from a baseball point of view, but maybe from, uh, you know, just a health point of view. And <laughs> just a human well. point of view, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, just hopefully, uh, you know, they'll share some of their uh, medical wisdom with the, the United States and, and, and get a grip on this thing. and uh, and you know, both countries will be playing baseball, but both countries will be a lot healthier as well. Well, and and in just reading some of the uh, the articles about it, you know, it's the the play. It's all it's it's less of a, a medical thing and more of a discipline thing. It, it, not just for the players, but the whole country. You know, taking this seriously a lot more seriously than we've seen. You know, a lot of areas in in, in the United States, and that's sort of why. The U.S. is is spiking the way it is, and, and every you know in these 
these other countries like like Korea and and China for the most part have have seen you know a dramatic leveling off of the the cases. I I can't imagine the United States and and some cities in this country uh, reacting well to the measures that were taken in Korea to make them able to be ready to play baseball now. I mean, you're already getting pushback about wearing masks in public. Uh, you know, people, even though the White House has recommended it, now people are, are, are refusing to do it. And then it's sort of being, you know, this awkward situation here in the United States. Well, there's photos of players in Korea on the field wearing masks while they're, you know, hitting batting practice and, and stuff. And I don't think that's going to be the case when they start playing games. But, you know, their willingness to even do that is, is something that, you know, I, I, I personally don't see the United States doing. Yeah, I mean, and that's, uh, you know, that's the problem. And that might lead to not, no baseball this year. But, right. you know. Well, well Hoynton, would you, would you wear a mask in the press box? That's what... Yeah, sure. You know, the thing, you know, at least from what I've heard and what I've read and what I've heard on TV, you know, when you wear a mask, like you or me wear a mask in public, we're doing it to protect others. You know, we're not doing it basically to protect ourselves. You're doing it so you won't spread if you're, if you're a, you know, an asymptomatic uh, carrier, you're not spreading it. So, you know, like you're doing your neighbors a solid, basically, right. if you wear it. And, you know, so I think that if you look at it like that, it's, it's a no-brainer. Well, speaking for the, you know, two dozen or so other people in the Indians press box on a regular basis, Paul, if you want to go ahead and wear a mask, you know, <laughs> at any point this year, yeah. we'd be totally fine with that. Okay. Not a problem. You know? <laughs> There's probably a couple other guys in the press box, uh, guys and ladies in the press box. You know, we wouldn't mind if they wore masks too, but I, I can think of one or two off the top of my head who will go nameless. I'm sure myself. Well, you know, for me, last year I was I was coming off uh, um, a respiratory issue this time last year in the press box, and I remember just coughing and and hacking the whole time and, and feeling really awkward. Uh, sitting there during games, having everybody sort of, uh, you know, feeling like all the eyeballs were on me because I was coughing a lot in the press box. I think, uh, you know, uh, Bart Swain uh, might have might have distanced himself a little bit because <laughs> I had a cough that probably lasted the entire month of April for every game that we were there last season. So uh, it'd be a little different this year, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, one of the um, – sort of the heroes of uh, uh, this, this whole coronavirus response uh, here in Ohio, at least has been Dr. Amy Acton. Uh, she's really uh, been sort of at the forefront uh, for the, the state in these uh, daily press updates uh, with the, with the governor. Um, Dr. Acton, uh, you know, sort, sort of becoming a little bit of a celebrity uh, cult hero here in Ohio. How many uh, times after when we're on the other side of this, you know, a year from now, maybe, uh, how many times do you think Amy Acton gets invited to a ballpark to throw out the first pitch at a ball game and gets like a a forty thousand uh, fan uh, standing ovation when she takes the mound? I think so. Doesn't Dewine own own a minor league team? <laughs> like a minor league team, she might go that to that one. I know he owns a farm. I don't know anything about his. Uh, if, if yeah, he, I think him and his kid own a minor league ball club. Oh, great. Well, good. Uh, you know, Senator, she can work her way up to the, uh, the, the big league parks in Ohio. Yeah, but uh, she's doing a great job. She, she, I like her. 
Yeah, I, I think everybody. I think she she tests well in the uh, in the TV market. So I think she's doing real well. Uh, hey, let's uh, let's uh, you know jump in and take a question or two uh, here from our subtext subscribers. Uh, I know uh, Paul, you're uh, during this time that that we've all sort of been uh, locked down. Uh, Paul, you're having some some great conversations and great interactions with our our fans and listeners on subtext uh, Indian subtext. You can. Uh, log on and subscribe and get daily updates, uh, uh, inside information uh, from Paul. Uh, I'll, I'll sort of begin contributing here uh, to that in a in a little while, but uh, you know that's that's still in the uh, in the near future. So we'll we'll go with that. Paul, what do you got from uh, from subtext? Now this is from uh, Lori Higgins from Brunswick. Uh, when the season starts. You mentioned that there was a possibility of adding missed games to the end of the regular season. This seems like a clear disadvantage to cold weather cities like Cleveland. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I think Joe, you know, I, I probably should have added when I when I wrote that was that if they do add 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 games on to the you know into late October, if they are playing regular season games into October, I think they're going to. Ex- you know, explore doing it in, uh, you know, either domes or neutral sites. I think they're going to have to do that. I know it's unfair to the hometown fans, but if you, if you want to play as many games as you can, if you want to have a, you know, a representative season, this is a course of action you have to take probably. Yeah, and you'd be looking at, uh, you know, at least for Indians fans, uh, you know, the possibility of Toronto uh, which complicates things even more because you got to get a passport. But uh, Toronto, Milwaukee uh, would be the 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 natural, you know, the the ones that would sort of work the the best in terms of that. Uh, yeah, you need neutral site games if you're playing in in November and in Cleveland. It's not going to work. It was the last time it, November second was the, the the last time we had a. A November game here in Cleveland, right? That was Game Seven of the uh, 2016 World Series. Wow, good call. I didn't, yeah. I didn't. I forgot about. It. I forgot it was November. Oh yeah, it was. It <laughs> was after. I remember it was after Halloween. So yeah, it was a great day, great night too. I remember it was really yeah. Until that, like, until the rain in the eighth inning, right? It was yeah, a great exactly. night. It was all around great night. Uh, we're opening up old wounds. All right, <laughs> here's another one. Is there any talk about playing games? In empty stadiums. This is from Art from Albuquerque. Well, I think some of the uh, the more interesting ideas that we've seen floated out there uh, have have included. I know Ken Rosenthal uh, wrote about it over the weekend. Was uh, you know the possibility of playing games all ga- all teams and all games in Arizona at the spring training facilities out there, the spring training parks, uh, beginning maybe sometime in July. Uh, if that's it, it, logistically, it would be super hard, almost impossible, but you know, they could get that done if, if things, you know, continue to, to work out the way they hope. Uh, so yeah, that, that's a possibility, but I, I, I don't know what, what's your, what's your take on, on yeah. the whole? you know, I, I, I like the idea just because it, you know, in, in Phoenix, the ballparks are so close together. There's no travel, you know that would cut down travel, but uh, there seems to be, there's a lot of logistical uh, details that have to get worked out. I mean, 
what do you do with the stadium workers? What do you do? Where do you put the, the teams with the hotels? And, uh, you know, I mean, there's, you know, every, what we were saying, what did you say, Joe, there was like 10 ballparks out there? There's, there's I'm, I'm not 10 sure. parks and 30 teams. So you could conceivably, and most, most of those parks, I think only two of them are one team parks. Yeah. Um, I think Milwaukee's a one team park. And I know the angels have a one team park out there. Yeah. Plus you've got chase field that could also be used, which is in Phoenix. Uh, so if you put three teams at a facility or three teams at a park or, or even, you know, two teams at chase or, or whatnot, uh, it's, it, it, there's a way to work it out where you could have everybody all there at once. Uh, you, you would also, if you wanted to do a full slate of games, 15 games, you would have to do double headers for five of them. And in Phoenix in July and August, double headers aren't going to work unless you're in a dome. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, unless you That's start smoking, man. That'll yeah, be- well, I mean, you could maybe start games at eight in the morning out there. Yeah, those poor kids in the Arizona Rookie League, that's what they do. I think they play at 10 in the morning or something. Right. Or, and, and or midnight. Can, and, and, okay, so if you're looking to get as many games in as you possibly can, you play uh, a, a doubleheader day at, uh, at Goodyear Ballpark. You play a game at 8 in the morning, and you're done by 11 before you start to roast. And then you play another game at 7 o'clock at night. I, I mean, it's yeah. just, got to be the way it, it, you, you get through it but there are ways to work around this. my my big thing is is there enough are there enough facilities to house all these players you're you're, you're gonna have you know what at least 30 guys on a team plus coaches and and, and everybody else and uh, you know a lot of guys live out there too joe from all the teams right. you know, it's such a you know kind of a magnet for ball players the weather's always great and um, so that a lot of people have their homes, I guess, you know, so maybe that could work out help, but, uh, I just, but the teams that would come over from Florida, where would they train? That's yeah, what I, that's, that's, yeah. that's, and that's a great point, you know, because most of these stadiums, you know, they're, they're, you know, like the Reds and the Indians share the Goodyear ballpark. They have separate facilities, but you know, yeah. Where are the other teams going to train? Where are the other 15 teams going to train? Right. And you can't share the facilities, I don't think, because then your chances of transmitting the, the virus would, would go up. And, you know, the, the elephant in the, in the corner here would be um, if one guy tests positive, you got to shut the whole thing down. Yeah, so you go, through, you go through all the machinations of getting all 30 teams there and all these people there. And then one, you know, Aaron Judge tests positive, and then you got to shut all of it down. So that might not even make it worthwhile. All right, uh, let's uh, let's jump off of questions here. And uh, you know, I wanted to—we'd be remiss if we didn't mention. Um, uh, you said there there have been a lot of players uh, individually who have stepped up, and you know, in this time, not just donating, uh, you know, money for you know, relief efforts for workers who are uh, ballpark workers who are out of, out of jobs or, or temporarily laid off, but, but also uh, people donating medical supplies and meals to people just in the communities. What, what have you heard and, and, and where some of the examples you've seen? Yeah. I talked to uh, Allie LaForce and, uh, and Joe Smith. I talked to Allie really. I texted her. She texted me uh, and um, 
Allie, Allie LaForce is married to former, uh, former Indians reliever Joe Smith. And on, on Wednesday, they're going to donate 250 meals to uh, Mercy Hospital in Lorain, Ohio, to the uh, healthcare workers. They're the frontline workers that are, you know, really kind of putting their, you know, their, their, their life, body, and soul on the line to uh, protect us and protect and, and help uh, the people that have the virus. So right. Allie, it's a really nice gesture, I thought. Allie is a, uh, from Vermilion, and she's a former Miss Teen uh, Ohio, and uh, played basketball at OU before she went on to her career in, in, in broadcasting. Uh, and so the, the connection here to the, the community is really evident that, that that's a great thing. I know we also saw, uh, you know, a former Indian, uh, one-time Indian, uh, Shinsu Chu, uh, is donating $1,000 uh, per player to every minor leaguer in the Texas Rangers organization. And I think that's, that's incredible that, that he would do that. That's, you know, 200 kids in your minor league organization or, or more, uh, you know, that's $250,000 he's donating. Chu is a nice guy. He's a, he's a good guy. He's a, he's a solid guy. You know, talking about South Korea, that's where he's from. And right. uh, he's, 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 he's a good dude, man. I, I right. miss him. Yeah. Um, all right. We're, we're going to, uh, we're getting close to wrapping up here. Uh, what we're going to do, uh, we're going to do daily podcasts now moving forward uh, for uh, our, our Cleveland Baseball Talk uh, podcast show uh, Monday through Friday. You'll be able to catch us here. Uh, we'll try to have them up early in the morning for you. Um, so as we keep going forward, I, I wanted to mention, hey, you know, the other night my wife and I were sitting here at MLB Network is is showing like all these classic baseball movies to sort of fill time. Uh, we we actually, my wife watched Bull Durham with me for the first time. She had never seen it before. <laughs> and I found myself really having, there were, it, it, she's pretty knowledgeable about all sports. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why I, you know, I sort of fell in love with her. Uh, but there were little things that, you know, sort of had to explain here and there. And then we, we got about a quarter of the way through the movie on, on MLB network. And I was like, you know, we're not getting the full scope of this because it's edited. There's the, the, all the cursing and all the good parts. Are taken <laughs> out. So I, I found it on Amazon and we started watching it from that point. And she, she really got into it. She really enjoyed the movie. Uh, you know, I thought I, um, had to explain to her where Visalia was. <laughs> things like that <laughs> that's where he takes his uh takes the job in the at the end and all that but uh you know what uh are there any movies out there like that that you know you would you would rather watch the get, get the, like like watching major league you ever watch major league in the edited version compared to the 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 real version that that it's just night and day two totally different things yeah, it's no fun to watch it in the regular version. I still like it. I still watch it, but but uh, yeah, yeah, I like I lo- because you know all the lines, right? You know, and uh, Harry Doyle, you know all those lines. Uh, you know, I was listening to uh, uh, Saturday Night Game One of the the uh, nineteen ninety five ALDS between uh, Boston and the Indians, and uh, Bob Costas and Bob Euchre were doing it. And right. I kept, I kept waiting for <laughs> to uh, start saying "just a bit outside." <laughs> I, you know, looking back, some of the, I, I we'll, we'll get into our in our next podcast. We're going to break down some of these, uh, um, you know, big replay. They've been doing replay events all through the the last couple of weeks on Sports Time Ohio, and uh, it was really big with the Cavs twenty sixteen 
uh, championship. We'll get into that in our next show. Uh, in fact, I want to lead with that on the next one. But, uh, uh, you know, I got a lot to say about uh, sort of feelings that get drummed up when you, when you watch some of these things. Uh, my, my feelings when I, when I got to watch the, uh, the unedited version of Bull Durham uh, with my wife for the first time, uh, she, was, she was very impressed. And she also said that, uh, that Susan Sarandon was younger than she was. Uh, Susan Sarandon was 40 something when she filmed Bull Durham and my wife is 42, 43, she's 43. And my wife insisted that, you know, she could pass for younger than Susan Sarandon in that, All right. uh, in that movie. So I like that. <laughs> they're, they're always uh, up for that kind of stuff. All right, uh, Paul, good to talk to you. We'll, uh, we'll catch up again tomorrow uh, on the Cleveland baseball talk podcast. All right, Joe.